Hey everybody, we back again. We back. All right. I'm Spencer, and of course we have our licensed clinical therapist, Nas. Wait a minute now. Dr. Nas. Never gonna say it. <laughs> never gonna say it. Never gonna get it. Sure. Never, never gonna get it. I think that's a song. And with that song intro, this is the Different Spectrums podcast where we talk about movie shows and mental health that surround them. We also like to have some laughs, so don't take us too seriously. Or do. It's up to you. There you go. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. Now, before we get to our special guest today, shout out to all of our great collaborators that we have there's a bunch of them right in my right corner right here. But you can get 20% off most of them if you go to our link tree. Yep. Um, but shout out to all of our collaborators, Cure Hydration, Bubs Naturals, uh, Pinfinity, Silver Dollar Candle, Two Nerds Candle Company, and Cat and Raven Company. Yes, they have soaps. Get your uh, Get all the soap. Um, so please go check them out and then also go check out our merch. We have some cool stuff like this one that says different on it. So different period. Just different. Just period. different. All right. No one else thought of this before. No one has done this before. Different. Shout out to Chains. <laughs> hey, you know what? He made a song. He didn't make merch. So <laughs> should have been at it first. Slow poke. Yep. All right. So let's get to our guest today. Uh, he is the program director for the foundation called Culture Change. Please welcome self Nil Seth Nilsson. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here. Um, I'm the founder and program director of the 501c3 nonprofit Culture Change. We do a lot of things like I'm advising colleges on their mental health policy. We provide a bunch of mental health resources and curriculum to K-12 schools. We're we're thankful to be sponsored by both the Jordan Clark Foundation and Speaks to Inspire. Mm -hmm. And um, it's great to be on here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right. So today we are going to be kicking it off with the movie Creed. We're going to be talking about Rocky. We're going to be talking about Creed. Rocky. What else do you need, really? What else do you need? Uh, but for the show, we're actually going to be talking about changing identity and then also with athletes, too, and how um, being an athlete, you can lose that identity. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, just how you can just find yourself as a person instead of just being that athlete. Mm -hmm. So before we get into it, Nas, anything? You got it, Rocco. You got it. You got it. You got it. You're a piece of shit, Rocco. It's like, how can you tell him you got it and you're a piece of shit at the same time? You know what, Rock? You got it all, <laughs> but nothing at the same time. Like, I all know. right. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate Mick. it. R. Thank Mick. you. <laughs> Old um, bastard. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to talk about some of the things in here. I think it'll be fun to reminisce about our trip to uh, Philly a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Jordan Clark Foundation kind of and uh, culture change and kind of where it origins began and how Seth kind of got into this and some of yep. more of his backstory. And then I'll lead us into our athletes conversation. 
uh, mm-hmm. mental health programming and how do we create change and how do we talk about mental health on, on campuses, but how do we talk about it amongst ourselves, specifically athletes. All right. So let's buckle in. We're going to, we're going to, I was going to say, we're going to chase some chickens. I, that scene is just, we're going to have to do that scene. Just him. Yeah. Apparently, chickens. since that's all you bring up about Rocky, there's so many other scenes. There's five movies and yet you still <laughs> only focus. Chickens. On chickens. Uh, okay. Let's get into it. Uh, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Hey, are you a nerd? Do you like pins? If you're like any of our followers and you said yes, you should check out our collaboration with Pinfinity. They have Power Rangers pins, Transformers pins, and for all of our bronies out there, My Little Pony pins. Go check out our link tree or use our code DSP to get 20% off your Pinfinity order today. For real? Doesn't matter. What you should be thinking about is that fight coming up. That's the only thing that should be on your mind, nothing what else. You, what, you, what you mean don't think about this? When you start in treatment? I'm not doing no chemotherapy. No. If you don't jump on this quick, you're going to end up dying. I know. And you're all right with that? I am. Man, you sound crazy, man. Give me the keys. I'll take you to the hospital right now. I'm not crazy at all. If I could take everything that was good and put it into a bowl or something and say, hey, here, I'd like to buy one more day with my wife, I'd do it. I would die a happy man right then. Not going to happen. So everything I got is moved on, and I'm here. But you know what? It's okay. Because I said to myself, if I break, if I'm hurt, whatever, I ain't gonna fix it. Why bother? And I'm just some bum that's living in your crib, just, just nothing. You're a good kid and a good fighter. But you got your whole future ahead of you, mine? Back there, like all them guys on that wall, in the back, in the past, we're going nowhere. I am to you just an old trainer. That's what brought us together, you know? We're not a real family. That was just in our heads, kid. See if I can get up these steps. What's the first time you came here? I was 12. 
I think it's my favorite place. When you get to the top, you think you can fly. Catch my breath. Come on, no breaks. We rest at the top. Submit it. Nah, that's what you asked for, right? Let's go, one step at a time. Come on. One step at a time. Who told you that? Some old guy. No, I meant that for you, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think they added a few more steps. I don't know. Almost there. Uh, I'm gonna take these last two. Almost there. <sighs> How you feeling? Oh, good. Really good. All right there, old man? Yeah. Nice view. You know, if you look hard enough, you can see your whole life from up here. How does it look? Not bad at all. And you? Not bad at all. Hey everyone, I wanted to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Two Nerds Candle Company. Not only do they have great products, but they are also giving back to a great cause. You can tell that they take a lot of pride in making their candles. My favorite is Spock's Monday Coffee. They are also donating 10% annually to support women in STEM which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. You can use our code DSP or go to our link tree to get 20% off your entire order. We think that this company is great, and we think you will too. So go check them out. All right, we back again, everybody. We back. It went live. For all those you going back to school with just as live as all your hopes to get A's, but in reality, you going to get some C's. I'm glad you stuck with that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Love it when you think about them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. Probably on the fly is better because I don't have to blame you for how yeah. bad they are. That was pretty bad. Now I can blame you because I was. Yeah, terrible. I was supposed to say something about how everyone's dead inside when they go to back to school, but whatever. Okay, it. glad you said it now. Yeah. All right, so. All right, so like we said before, we have our special guest on. So before I get to Creed, um, and the backstory of that, Seth. Please tell us a little bit more about your beginnings with culture change. Sounds good. So back in 2018, um, as a sophomore in college, um, I founded a student organization called Mental Health Mankato. Um, through Mental Health Mankato, I learned how to fundraise, put events on, um, and just the um, behind-the-scenes work that goes into managing a, non a nonprofit. So then when I was a senior in the summer of 2020, myself, um, along with a few friends, founded the 501c3 nonprofit culture change. And we began by advising 
other colleges, um, other student governments on a ways to most effectively pass mental health legislation. And then we also were sponsored by the Mankato Clinic Foundation to send volunteer teachers to go teach our standards-based curriculum inside surrounding schools. Hmm. Then fall, um, jumping ahead about two years in 2022, we combined both of those branches of culture change into uh, policy and curriculum um, framework for K through 12 students, teacher and faculty called our school mental health framework. The school mental health framework entails curriculum along with corresponding PowerPoints for K through 12 students along with a separate um, curriculum and corresponding PowerPoints for school faculty as well. The school mental health framework entails mental health screening tool recommendations for school-based mental health professionals, policy recommendations for district administrators, and also a survey to gauge the effectiveness of all of these tools. Since putting together this school mental health framework culture change has been sponsored by the Jordan Clark Foundation, um, in which was founded, um, founded after a peer from way back in middle school. Um, in middle school shop class, um, I had a class with a girl named Jordan Clark, who went on to be an All-American goalie for Concordia St. Paul. And she unfortunately passed away by suicide in 2020. And following her passing, I connected with her mom who founded the Jordan Clark Foundation. And they've been a super big support. They've um, connected us with multiple schools in the Twin Cities area to implement our school mental health framework um, and sponsored other um, ways for culture change to advance in the mental health education space. And then culture change recently got um, sponsored again by Speaks to Inspire, which is another mental health business in Florida that has a lot of mental health resources um, more so right now at the higher education level, but we're expanding to include the K-12 space as well. So through those two um, partnerships and sponsorships, culture change um, right now is a big focus on providing tools necessary for students to cope with any um, signs of potential mental health disorders before they become um, too severe to the point where they can't handle them themselves. And me personally, that's my like mental health story, like um, in, in terms of advocating for others. My personal story goes back to like seventh grade when I first began to experience symptom of, symptoms of anxiety. And then I didn't actually get help for my personal anxiety until I was 18. I remember yep. um, in school, I had a presentation. Um, it was the final presentation of my senior year of high school. And um, with my social anxiety, the presentations in front of a large group of people or a class was something that would spike my social anxiety. And so I tapped out essentially. And I called my mom, she picked me up and I um, started therapy, I think the next week. Mm-hmm. So I went to therapy six times the summer before college. And then I was able to 
gradually exposed myself to those anxiety provoking situations throughout my collegiate experience. And I've gone back to, to therapy a few times since for, for other just life reasons. But yeah, um, I think in about three minutes, that's my life story. Um, played sports, um, especially basketball. As a child, um, basketball was my life, was my identity. And then just being able to explore myself in a much deeper level, like away from the game, was something that I was able to thankfully experience when I moved off to college and wasn't focusing um, all of my time onto basketball. Excellent. Yeah. So when talking about, you know, getting your identity and not just being an athlete, not just being a basketball player, can you kind of recall the point where you just like, I want to be more than just an athlete. I want to be, you know, I want to be Seth. I don't want to be just number, you know, 10 or whatever you were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far back as I remember, I'm at the basketball camps I go to the coaches would say put your hand up if you want to be a college basketball player and my my hand would always go up I always had that ambition um I always believed I could have reached that ambition and um, come the time I think it was winter of my senior year of high school I just wasn't me I wasn't comfortable with my myself in a deep way that I wanted to be. And so I realized with a few different people in my life saying that um, I should try and play college basketball or I shouldn't. At, at that point, I just had a gut feeling that my life is more than the sport. Um, I put my whole life up to that point in the sport and it was time to just explore myself and find out who I am deeper as a person opposed to just being that basketball player who spends five days a week playing and then basketball tournament on the weekend and then more practice. So I'd say it was winter of my senior year. Okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead now. Any, any luck. So we might get into it a little bit, but any luck to kind of figure out you, did you find out who you were a little bit right after college and all? If you figured it out, give us some hope here now. <laughs> oh man. I like that question. I, I'll say, damn. All right. Shit. All right. Fine. <laughs> so, Let's go. No. Yeah. My question is shit. I so I think that I found out a lot about myself, but I think there's always more to learn, like always more to explore about yourself. Thanks. I don't think there's ever a point in which you truly know everything about yourself and can never be truly content. I think the biggest thing I learned was that I learned a lot through sports. Um, I learned a lot through the, the game of basketball. Um, I grew up just watching um, Kevin Garnett and Kobe Bryant and the way that they worked the way that they trained um like that almost kind of conditioned my brain like watching them so much on just how to attack life with a similar type of type of mentality just because you're not putting that intense focus into basketball it doesn't mean you can't put that intense focus 
into other things like a nonprofit or school. So it's just like, I learned that my experiences in basketball weren't like pointless and that like all the training all of the like obsessive basketball players I watched growing up, those same lessons apply to every aspect of life. Yes. Okay. Believe you. So, so you're a Minnesota guy, right, Seth? That's I assume that's why is the Garnett thing. Yes, yes, that is true. But um, I was, I was five or six years old when the Wolves made the Western Conference Finals in 2004. Yeah, so, we uh, we don't got a long uh, history of doing that, unfortunately. <laughs> so you know, you only you can remember it pretty well, pretty clear. Ah, yes, 1980. <laughs> <laughs> Pepperidge Farms remembers. Pepperidge Farms yeah. remembers. So 1990 or ni- would you say 2004? Or did you say 94? Oh, 2004. Yeah. 2004. Um, oh, do you Wolves? think he is, man? Damn. Yeah. I, mean, I don't no, know. Man, you said the 80s. Playoffs. The Wolves didn't make the playoffs from like 04 yeah. to 2019. Um, after they got Jimmy and they were the eighth seed and lost to the Rockets in five. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah good times good times was there a question to that Nas? or you just there was to, we got to, distracted like... i just said oh so he's a minnesota guy yeah because yeah. you grew up watching him yeah 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 there you go see i mean you know oh four you guys made the playoffs and you did a little thing you know no four the detroit pistons here won the go. title you know it is here it is. we go and, and possibly the greatest team in history some may call us so seth if you don't know Nas is from Detroit, or you know, he's not from Detroit. He's from Michigan, but North you know, he'll Detroit. say he's from Detroit. He, I love Detroit teams, whatever. Uh, and now, anytime I bring up the fact that you know Pistons, Lions suck, you know, he'll be like, well, remember when we won it back in '04, and then also in like '82? Like, yeah, we got it. We understand. <laughs> we got it. I'm just saying. Here we go. Just Lions uh, haven't won a playoff game in like 30 years, but it's fine. They're pretty good now, I hate to say. Yeah, they're pretty good. They ain't doing shit, though. Uh, so, so thank you so much, Seth, for coming on our show. Uh, we really appreciate having you and talking about Creed. This is So this is the part where now where I'm going to get into, like, the backstory of Creed, and then we'll get into the scenes. All yep. right. So uh, Creed follows Adonis, who um, is the son of the late creed from the rocky rocky balboa series right and if you don't know creed was killed in the ring by a big ass russian ivan drago ivan drago there it is there it is no mercy like all right going down um but yeah so then this follows adonis um played by michael b jordan the great michael b jordan and um it pretty much is following his story and how he's um, he has all the talent of his father, um, but just hasn't honed in on the skill sets yet. Right. And then this is where Rocky Balboa comes into it. Right. And so now we get to have that, uh, that cross between Rocky and now Creed's son Adonis. And so um, now kind of going into the, the first scene, um, is where Creed finds out that uh, Rocky um, has cancer. 
and he's dying. And so, um, but Rocky, he, um, he says that he's lived a full life and that, you know, even if he gets hurt or anything like that, he's not going to get treated. So he doesn't want to get his cancer treated. Um, but obviously Adonis is very, um, now is very sentimental with um with rocky because not only is his trainer but you know he's kind of being a little bit of a life coach as well um and i think that we all might have stories of that one coach who we've all you know had a emotional connection with and that you know we didn't really want to see leave even though we graduated and things like that um and that we are willing to protect and willing to do anything for and so that's where we kind of are with rocky and adonis um so with that um what made you want to do this scene specifically with me just thinking back um um, i was actually thinking back to a point in my life um Mm -hmm. and when my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer um, i know that was a tough time in my life because um, i don't think i mentioned this at all but i went to uh six schools between sixth and twelfth grade Uh, i bounced around a lot yeah and so I transferred high schools. It was my junior year, about halfway through the year. And so I transferred five games into the basketball season for my junior year. And this was after I believe my first game. Um, I didn't know the players on my team. I didn't know people at the the school. I didn't tour um, the school um, even before my first day. So then my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer um like my first week um actually of transferring schools i didn't um at that point really have the support system around me um and so i'd go to school i'd play basketball but in general i felt like very isolated and a lot of things were like outside of my control and so that was just one of the points in in my life thinking back with my mental health and uh, it was just a time that I really had to persevere, but it was also a time that, that I struggled a lot. So when thinking about a scene in Creed that ties back to mental health and especially perseverance, this was the first one that came to my mind. For sure. Yeah. Uh, to piggy off, back off that, I'm, I'm going to diverge a little bit and talk about, you know, the, 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 the C word there, cancer. Um, you know, it's a scary thing, that cancer. And it, and it takes a lot of people every year. And I've had tons of family members that have been taken by it. My mother was taken by it um, with brain cancer. Uh, she got diagnosed and then she was gone within, within like 30, 40 days. Uh, and then, you know, I'm talking to some friends and I got a lot of friends now getting cancer. 30 years old, 20 some years old. I got a, a cousin. So my dad's brother's daughter, uh, you know, she she got diagnosed senior year. She graduated Michigan State and didn't get cancer, right? She's like 22. Uh, and I seen this thing on Yahoo the other day saying it's at an all-time high now amongst 30-year-olds, young individuals get with cancer and they said specifically among women it's it's astronomically increased cancer in the yeah. early ages with women so it's interesting uh 
It's interesting and it's terrifying. And so this scene is very prevalent for not even folks that are older, but even folks that are younger now is yeah. losing people in all these different ways. So now as we get back into the scene, uh, you see, right, this old guy with everything behind him, Spence. Then you see this young kid with a bright future. Thinks that he's going nowhere, but a very bright future. And he says, look back at the wall. I'm I'm nobody. I'm just like all those other names on the wall, forgotten. You know, it makes you think. One of the podcasts we did, you said you, or one of my students also said, you you die twice. When your body dies, but then also when, like, people don't speak your name, people forget about you. That's the second time that you die. Mm -hmm. Um so Rocky probably already feels like he's kind of dead because he lost everyone. He's got no point to live. Everything's gone. And Michael says, what the fuck? Who am I? You just, you just, I ain't nobody. And he said, we ain't family, kid. Jesus, that's the worst thing you could have said to a student that you're mentoring or a client or someone that loves you and looks up to you is we ain't family. That's Jesus, horrible. And then you got Michael B, who's got everything ahead of him and excited in life. You see death and life in that scene. Mm-hmm. See death and life. Um, if you think about our lives, so it's our lives when we're young, and then eventually we're all going to be old. Uh, I'm going to diverge here again. I was watching this scene from a comedy I really liked. It really took a direction towards the last scene. It's called that modern love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's, uh, I forgot his name, maybe Aziz Ansari. I don't know. I think that's his name, the comedian. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, at the end of it, uh, she goes, they're sitting by a fire, her and her partner. And it said, uh, you know, I saw my best friend's dad the other day and her partner goes, oh, that's nice. She said, no, it's horrible. She said, what you talking about? I said, he got ALS and he can't even walk and talk. And she said, that's horrible. And she said, yeah. She said, we all get old and we just get like disabled and we get old and we die. Life is birth life. And then we all get old. I thought about this when watching the scene, Mm -hmm. the reality of the world and right. You've got this short amount of time, make the connections, talk to people, bright future. I see all the students, bright futures, right? Uh, Rarely do I see the old parts or the dying parts, but in some cases with me dealing with depression and anxiety, which we're going to talk about shortly, some Mm -hmm. of my students do actually see that darkness. Um, And some of them may do some things or may attempt or I have to hospitalize. So I get to see darkness a little bit closer than others Mm -hmm. uh, because of my profession. So I thought a lot about a lot of different things in this scene. I think if we were to use this for a metaphor, Spence, it would be for both sides. Older folks, coaches that are looking down and have this kid that they love and mentor. Also the younger kids knowing that they're moving on and that the loved ones, you know, may pass on. I see both of those being very uh, representative, even like he spoke about with his grandpa. Uh, People Mm. that have lost people, love people. This will be a scene that hits a little bit harder than someone Mm. that hasn't lost anyone. And Spence, like you said, you know, a bunch of kids out here got coaches that they loved. Mm Mm-hmm. I work with plenty of students now at the collegiate level that their number one person to go to, even above their parents, was their coach. Yeah. And they still have conversations with their coach. Right. But then time moves on. The coach has got their athletes to take care of. And so, you know, the kids end up coming to me sometimes for therapy because now they ain't mm-hmm. got their coach no more. And they, they come to me and I got to help them build up their identity 
That way they're not dependent on their old coach because the old coach got, you know, another batch of 20-some kids to take care of that are freshmen, uh, right, that are like 14 years old. You got to kind of move on now that you got the services. And so you got to find your identity, like Seth said. So all these stories come to me after we start talking. So interesting things. Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, Spence, you got any uh, questions you want to relay to Seth? Yeah. So when say you're when you're working with like a school or anything like that, trying to uh, change their mindset about mental health, what is what is something that you go into a meeting with a school or like a director or anything like that of a school and how do you kind of you know sway them into talking more about mental health especially in the times where any type of curriculum brought up is immediately like just like no we're not going to do that true (laughs) so um a few things with that first Mm -hmm. i'll say most schools who who want to have a conversation about like adding curriculum or like other mental health resources that our school mental health framework um, entails. It doesn't take a lot of convincing. It doesn't take a whole sales pitch because it's like, if those schools, if it's a principal administrator takes the time to like meet and talk about it, their interest is enough to where I don't necessarily feel the pressure to go in and sales pitch them and like, like try and talk them into purchasing it. It's not like that. Um, my top strategy that like I've personally used is, um, I go into a a lot of meetings with actually, I'm a co-founder of mine and our personalities are very opposite. Um, I, I feel like my strength is, I'm knowledgeable about the standards. I'm I'm knowledgeable about um, all of the small intricate details of the resources Culture Change provides. Then she's a lot better at um, lightening the mood and just like um, saying slay or other just like hip terms that I'm not like up to date with. She's <laughs> a math teacher, so um, <laughs> um, I'll pitch like my thing for five minutes and she'll jump in and just say slay and i'll just and i'll just dance <laughs> up and i'll be like okay but um i think just the combination of just those two personalities i think that yes um shows schools that were able to like like have fun with mm-hmm. the process of doing this work but but also are knowledgeable about um the details and the standards about what actually goes into it so that's my first thing. And then in terms of specific pushback, I had a meeting last month actually with a school board member and I laid out my ambitions and she told me that my ambitions are similar to to walking up to a, a ship the size of the Titanic and pushing it and like trying to make it move with your like body. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, it was kind of discouraging, but yeah. I think more than anything, comments like that are really motivating because it shows that the um, system needs more people to push curriculum, 
push important resources in for students to have. And yeah, you just can't really get discouraged with no's because there there's always people who stand in the way. So um, as I said earlier, the whole perseverance thing is important. And that same person, even though she said, she didn't say no because she didn't represent her whole school board per se. She met a few other like contexts um, within that district. Um, by just, just having that conversation, just her seeing that I care so deeply about this, this stuff, she sponsored culture change to speak at the Minnesota school board convention that takes place in January. So by just having these conversations, even if it doesn't work out right there, oftentimes just that connection often leads to another solid connection. It's about how you look at it. You know, yeah. was that the final battle for you to die on? It doesn't sound like it. it looks like you got sent to another battle, a bigger battle, right? Because yeah. this other thing will have more ears and more eyes, unless more seeds that can be planted to be, you know, cultivated and, and later on. So you don't know where these things will go in life. It's the growth mindset, which we talked about in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Steph, so you're talking about policy change. And implementation. I remember when I was at St. Mary's, I was, it was a smaller school, smaller Catholic school. And so they got more leeway on what they do in their, in their uh, curriculum. Why? Cause they're not really governed by the state, right? Cause they don't take as much money for as other public schools. And so I remember at the counseling center, we were trying to manipulate our ways into the syllabi for every class. And we were trying to find our way into mandated classes for self-care and mental health, like one-on-one in which at the end, my boss did get that implemented and ran where one of us counselors would go teach a class once a week, mental health one-on-one for all incoming freshmen. You got a choice. It was like between three classes, mental health one-on-one was one of the classes, which was highly attended. Uh, you know, I talked to a lot of counselors, not sorry, professors here at Purdue when I do my outreaches for faculty and staff, graduate staff, student government, graduate student government, we talk about, hey, man, in your syllabi, put in, can you put in, you know, you need to go to one of these things for some credit. And by one of these things, we mean one of these mental health programming or outreaches, one of these presentations about something about mental health. So it's easy ways to kind of implement small changes without changing the entire curriculum, without changing an entire class that can make a huge difference. Uh, I was talking to my boss the other day and I said, you know, I had got, I, I got good news cause I had got a raise and then I had got some, you know, bad news cause I had gotten in trouble for some stuff. But you know, I always, once a semester I get in trouble for some shit. Yeah. Um, and I said, he said, now nah, you do good work. I said, yeah, I do good work. I said, they tell you about the surveys. He said, what are you talking about? I said, they didn't tell you about the surveys on all the presentations that were done on campus by the counseling center that I got all this feedback. Nas is this, Nas is awesome. Nas is great. Nas made me get therapy. I said, you didn't hear nothing else from none of the other ones. Uh, he said, oh, I said, I didn't know about that. I said, yeah, it's surprising how people don't talk about, you know, when my surveys come in, you know, uh, so we laughed about that. Why well, bring that up? Because I said, you know, they sent me to this this fraternity. These young men, they never heard nothing about counseling or nothing like that. They sent me in there. It's 35 boys. Seven of, seven of them signed up for therapy. Seven. I got to see two, and then the rest, you know, they the other kids saw the other people. So 
Why I bring it up, Seth? Because sometimes you get put in front of people that you think it's a lose-lose. And you might think that you do bad in some of these presentations or maybe it went okay or not. Next thing you know, you start getting emails. Next thing you know, you start getting invited to things. Next thing you know, you've saved some lives. So this is what I'm telling you is, and I'm not trying to gas you up in a good way, uh, but I say this at every presentation and it hits home every single time because I use my pauses correctly um, because it's about dramatic effect. And I said, you know, Maybe I'm doing nothing here talking to you, young men, young young humans, young people, young women. But I guarantee you, I end up seeing a couple of you in therapy. I guarantee me just talking about suicide, anxiety, depression, self-hate. I guarantee you, I end up saving someone's life in this room or one of your friends' life. Because now you know the phone numbers to call if shit hits the fan. So I say, y'all better listen now. Because it could save your life or your friend's life, maybe even your parents' life. That sets the stage for the rest of the conversation. Because they're like, damn, this is some serious stuff. Um, and I'm not saying that you should all take that as well, but maybe you should think about that because no matter what, you're going to change minds. And if one of them does one small policy change, that could end up saving like three kids' lives in a classroom. right? This yeah. this pyramid effect or this ripple effect or butterfly effect is is unknown. The other day, our work, I enjoy this young man, uh, neurodivergent human that I'm working with, and uh, not much affect on certain things, highly, highly intelligent, too intelligent, because they think about life too deeply. And I said, you know, you showed me this ad blocker for YouTube. And, you know, it's not a big deal to me, but to my father who listens to music all day, every day, and isn't the best with the damn computer, the ad blocker allows him to listen to music nonstop in the kitchen when he's cooking and around the house, nonstop. I said, you end up making a better life for my father. You didn't even know that. I said, that's how odd life is, because this student was talking about, I'm always going to be mediocre. I'm not going to be anyone. I want to do something well. I'm wasting all my time. I'm 280 HD. My identity is intelligence. And yet all these people are pretty smarter than me. I said, you changed my father's life by giving me an ad blocker that I never knew existed. I said, that's kind of fucking cool if you think about it. He smiles. I don't know if he smiled because he actually wanted to or was he just putting on a show for me to shut up? But he smiled. Me and Spence talk about it all the time. Small changes make a big impact on a lot of people's life. Um, So the work that you do at the foundation, doesn't matter if you feel like shit or not, you don't know where it's going to lead. And I advise everyone here that is trying to do any work and pushing this damn Titanic of mental health or autism awareness and acceptance and knowledge, because there is literally none when it comes around autism. And that's a lot of the stuff that I push is autism. Yeah. So you said Titanic. I'm thinking about this mega cruise ship liner that I just saw on Instagram the other day. That's like five times the size of the Titanic. That's what I thought about. I'm like, this shit is hard work, man. Spencer, uh, you might not have seen it yet, but I posted a uh, a reel today. Yeah, that said, uh, you know, it's a it's the X Men one. He's like, "Hey, man, you know karate?" He's like, "No, I don't know karate, but I know crazy." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I related that to mental health and autism. Like, I know what it is, and these are the people that I fight for, the folks that are on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, for you, Seth. Right, you may not know karate, aka how the hell to push a Titanic, but you know who you're advocating for is suicide prevention, mental health resources. Um, 
I'm saying this for everyone listening. You just don't know where it will go, so don't give up. And then all my counselors that are paying attention, I know y'all feel like shit. I know you feel like some of your clients aren't getting better. I know you feel like you're not creating change and advocating for better salaries, better services for your clients or your students. Continue to do the work. I had a small conversation with someone yesterday, a coworker, about money. And then they went and talked to the boss about money. And they're going to go get a raise. Just because they had a simple conversation with me, you know, they might get more money now. It, small things mean stuff. Advocate for change and policy change. All right. I don't know how to, if I'm thinking about boxing, I'm thinking about the only policy changes is fucking, and this isn't funny, is CTE implementation through these oh, yeah. organizations. Like these, what the hell are they call these promotional brands? I'm like, yeah. bro, they should have some type of lifelong insurance after they retire from the they WBC, should. the WBA, or yeah. they got that fucking guy. He, he, he promotes everyone. Don it's him and like, Oh, no, that's old school, Don King. I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. I was like, yeah, there's damn, a couple I other, retired already. There's a couple other big promoters now. One of them is Golden Boy, which is... Uh, oh, I don't know. Is that Floyd's? No, Golden Boy is the money team promotions. Golden Boy's the other guy, the 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 Mexican guy. Um, Garcia? Garcia? No, no, no. He's the promoter, not the boxer. He's the old oh, guy oh, from oh. back in the day. No idea. No <laughs> idea. I know his name. It's right there. I no, can you see don't. his face. You don't know it. You can see all you want. It's not there. It's gone, oh, man. Yeah. It's Golden gone. Boy Promotions. He's one of the biggest <laughs> promoters there is now. He was the promoter for Canelo as well. It's uh, oh. one of the most famous boxers like uh, of Mayweather's size. Mayweather fought him and beat him, but he was old. Yeah. Um, is what it is. So I'm just you thinking know. about policy change around that as well. Because CTE yeah. will mimic bipolar disorder and degenerative diseases like dementia. Which leads to a lot of, you know, abuse, assaults, suicidality, stuff like that. I think about all mm. these football athletes that advocated for change yeah. and sued and litigated for the NFL to provide like healthcare. Um and that's pushing kind of the, the Titanic. Problem, that's kind of what? the problem though, is that um even though uh we have fighters like uh Fury who comes out with like his mental health and talks about it and everything like that. Um, doesn't seem like it's a, uh, it's not a team sport. So it's like, you know, when, when you're talking about teams striking and not doing something, mm -hmm. then you have a lot of voices power. to be heard. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of power, but unfortunately boxers just don't have that power. I hope they do get it one day because yep. they, they literally get beat for entertainment. So, yeah. You know. The only way they'd be able to get it is through the promoters, where the UFC is a company, so technically they work for the company. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just so. a side, a complete side story, but he made me think yes. of the Titanic policy changes, and then it made me think of athletes and, like, CTE. And if mm -hmm. you think about athletes, which we're talking about today, soccer has the highest rates of concussions. Specifically, women's soccer has the highest rates of concussions. People would think it's, like, football or something like that. No, it's actually it's actually soccer. Um, which is quite terrifying. You'd be surprised at how many kids I've seen in, in soccer and higher ed uh, with major concussions. Yeah. Hockey's a completely different story. Oh. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. It's the Minnesota schools. Uh, yeah. All the Minnesotas, don't All you know? Minnesota. If you play hockey, you got CTE later in life. I don't care who you are. You ain't got no <laughs> teeth. You ain't got no brain. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Spence and getting back to Creed. Yes. Yeah, mosey us on over to the next scene. Okay, so for the next scene, uh, this is the end of the movie. Um, I believe it's the end of the movie, correct? Yes, it's been a while. Okay, and um, so Rocky has actually been going through chemo because um, he actually saw that you know Creed really cares and that he has something to live for, really, right? And so he does chemo. Um, and this is the end at the famous Philadelphia steps where, uh, Rocky first was running and finally achieved his glory. Exactly. Nas is putting his arms up like he's Rocky or <laughs> like he's scared. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so, um, this is the end. And of course, Rocky is just, he's, it's it's kind of sad to see because it's yes. like he's just he's not e- even close to being able to get up those steps but he's still trying he's still doing it um he's not doing it like he used to do it when he was younger just running up the steps like it's nothing um and yeah and then they finally kind of look back at the city as soon as they get to the top and like you can see your life from up here what do you think looks good looks looks good. really good great way to end the movie um before we get into the scene that's all we have our own story here at different spectrums podcast when we were actually on a trip we had a road trip going from state to state we were hitting all pretty much like the east coast cities and uh we hit philadelphia and we're like you know what like everyone else in this city we're gonna run up these stairs we're gonna run like and of course i raced nas i was like i was still rehabbing from a knee surgery so you know i had to i had to give him a little give him a few paces few stairs you know so i was like you know what that's fine that's all right i'm pretty sure he you know messed me up on his start he was like ready set go and then he just went and i was like wait a minute what was this i thought we were gonna have an official start it's fine you know it was like a tie pretty much it was like a tie i'm 90 uh, sure i won nah i don't think it was dark you didn't see I anything um well, fuck, i won it was dark um and uh and of course somehow Nas didn't hurt himself going up the stairs. Somehow, when we're walking down, he busts his ankle. And let me tell you something. Nas is a big guy. If he tweaks his ankle, he tweaked his ankle. It was bad. It was bad. He was saying, like, man, I don't know if I can finish the trip. Even though we had Washington, D.C., of course, Museum Central, walk, walk everywhere. And, uh... Yeah, that was an interesting time, but luckily he toughed through it, and uh, we finished the trip. So. It was so bad. It was such a beautiful moment. Yes, it was. I'm, it was I'm looking really at great. the stairs, thinking about things, visualizing, doing what Rocky yeah. said, like, look at how's it look. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was dark. It was like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night when we were up there. Yeah. Uh, there's no one there. We were just having some fun, me, you, Colin, and yep. Salim. Mm-hmm. And it was so dark that when I took a step, I missed a step and landed right on the side of my ankle. And like, I yeah. could feel it vibrating the pain up my leg. It was so bad. Yeah. Wasn't I was like, bro, time. I'm screwed. I tied my shoe up real tight. I limped around and thankfully the next day it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, we're talking lucky. 
Lucky, lucky. Also, it doesn't help that you wear like Jordan ones everywhere, and uh, those don't really have the greatest ankle support. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Should have tied it um, tighter. As you um, can see up here, nothing. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was an amazing time actually seeing the stairs and uh, seeing the statue um, that's at the bottom of the stairs. Um, yeah, great moment. It's such a great piece of like American history, honestly. Yes. Um, yeah, it was amazing. And of course, people were running up the stairs at like fucking 11 o'clock at night. You're like, geez, just go to bed. Oh my God. Find some other stairs, something. A nope. beach. No, it was 11 o'clock at night. Everyone was running up the stairs. It was fun as hell. Yeah. yeah. It was and then fun. I was watching people fall too. People were falling up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to go nowhere. Uh, I got. Seven bucks to the one on the left for up oh, damn. <laughs> well, he ain't getting up. Uh, yep. But let as we get into the scene, I, I'm yes. uh, I'm gonna take over real quick. Go and for I'm gonna it. pass it to Seth. Uh, you know, Spence, I do this everywhere I go. When I do that visual, like Rocky does, and mm-hmm. I, and I'll talk about this in a second too. Is being real mindful. When you're on vacation, you know, put your cell phone away when you're out sightseeing and unless you got to take pictures, but also don't take too many damn pictures. You need to experience the damn scene. Yeah. And so I'll look out and I'll stare. So I remember, you know, me and you sat out in Washington scene. We were out there with the ducks shitting everywhere out, out in front of the Capitol. Yeah. That water was pond. not good. Yeah. <laughs> that was duck shit everywhere. Um, but you just sit out and you stare and you look, I've done it on top of mountains with Colin. I've done it, uh, you know, with my brother walking, climbing everywhere around the world and nation, different countries. I've done it. You just sit there and you kind of stare. You take in the moment. You know, what's the temperature? What does it feel like? What do you smell? What can you see? What are the noises everywhere? Cars going by, the wind, everything. You try to take it in. That way you burn that image into your mind. Because like I always tell you, Spence. I don't know if I'll ever go back to these places. Life is so short. You know, you just don't know. People be like, oh, you'll be back. I don't know if I'm ever going back to Ireland again. Like, I need to burn this into my brain. Um, And I try to teach a lot of my athletes, specifically in college, of this mindfulness. On vacations or even mindfulness when you're getting ready to leave and go into the real world and make money or suppose hopefully make money. Mm Mm-hmm. They say college is supposed to be the greatest. Someone, a student just told me this now. They said, God, Naz, if this is supposed to be the greatest time of my life, this is fucking terrible. I said, yeah, people say that because the drinking and the promiscuity and all that. Really, the greatest time about college is community. And being close to all these friends and being able to study and eat and hang out. Because when you get to the real world, it can be very isolating. may not have a lot of friends. Everyone moves to different places around the world. Now you're working nine to five. You're tired. You go home. You eat. You restart. You know, I might see some of my best friends once every year, once every two years in person. You know, I just texted one of my friends. I was so damn busy. I texted him one day. He texted me three days later. I texted him four days later. I said, I need to talk to Mike because I ain't talked to him in a year. Mm -hmm. Be very mindful with the college years. Uh, Hopefully they're good ones. And, And what Seth is doing is trying to create change to make sure that people understand the pitfalls. Because in higher ed, it can be very isolating. In high school, there can be a lot of comparison, a lot of bullying, a lot of... A lot of negative social anxiety that can happen, and then it propels you into college where now you don't want to make friends, and now you're isolated and depressed. Hopefully, you end up knowing there's resources like me that are free on campus. 
Um, so I'm gonna do Spencer job real quick. Seth, when you watch this scene, what what did you think of visually, mentally, metaphorically, or did you just enjoy the scene? Um, first and foremost, I'd say I just enjoyed the scene. Um, but um, the one part that stood out was Amadonis pushing him, like the way that like Rocky pushed him throughout the show. So um, I think that just like whether that's in the movie or life, it's important to have people around you who you push, but uh, like if you're down, if you're either sick or you're um, down bad, as some people say, they just push you back and say, hey, it's time to go. It's um, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because um, at the end of the day, um, it's important to um, not only believe in yourself and be emotionally resilient yourself, but it's important to have those people who hold you accountable and also push you to keep going even when you're maybe doubting yourself. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to make the statement that you said is to know that it's reciprocal, to have those good people for you to be the rock, for them to be the rock. Um, as we all know that many of us may be the rock for a lot of our family members as they get older, that's just a thing. Um, people, you don't really think about that when you're young in our age, but it's a thing I'm going through it now with my father. Um, I think Spencer, I get habituated to a lot of things that I, that I do with the family, um, meaning like it just feels normal. And then people are like, damn, you got to do this or that for pops. I'm like, yeah, like you don't really understand the hardships of folks that struggle with old age or that are disabled until you end up having to live that experience. Yeah. Uh, and picking someone up, you know, if they fall or stumble or from certain things, helping them up with some of the clothes on. I mean, it's tough. And I mean, shit, a lot of us going up in that situation. Uh, so yeah. I, I bring this up again, cause life is fast. So be mindful about the good times that you have. Be mindful about the friends that you have and the community that you have in these certain sectors. Um, I'm not telling you to be anxious and be fearful because it may be gone, but be in the moment with them and don't take things for granted. So now as you see Rocky getting a push, and I can see my students do this because I'm going to be old and, and, and decrepit soon. I soon. can tell soon. How old are you? I'm old enough. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I can see the way students look at me. Like in 2016, they're like, oh, you're like, you know, you're our age. And now they're looking at it to me like, you know, you're old. <laughs> old Grandpa Nas over oh. here. <laughs> oh, Granddaddy Nas. Granddaddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because I have students that cheer for me. Um, and I'm the one protecting them. I'm the one that's their spirit animal or guide throughout the world. And then they'll like cheer me on. And they'll be like, Nas, I hope you get this new job. Or Nas, I hope this. Or like, hey, Nas, you know, some of the students I'm closer to in therapy. Like, hey, man, hopefully your dad's doing good. Hopefully hopefully the baby, because they know about Colin's baby. 90% of my clients know about Colin's baby. Because <laughs> he keeps texting me pictures. And I'm like, yep, you're going to see this baby. And then we're going to get back to your tears. 
<laughs> in the middle of crying, he's like, "Baby, I'm like, uh, baby, I not see that? Right now? You want to see some happy? It's a a real cute, the whitest baby you ever see. But she cute, the as whitest him. baby you've ever seen. She ever seen, girl. She gonna get so sunburned. Oh my god, you have to lather, just dip her in a vat, in a vat of sunscreen. That's how bad it's gonna just be. Blow her like, in. shh, baby, shh. It's okay. You know what like, you got to do. It's like a Catholic baptism. Oh my. <laughs> I can't wait to tell him this. Uh... <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. Um... No, I mean, <laughs> something about steps and life. No. I don't know. So I see students prepping me up. And so I end up changing my title here to Dr. Nas because one of the students said you should do it. I was like, hey, man, don't no one else in the office do it. She said, I don't give a damn about everybody else. Mm -hmm. She said, you earned it just like I'm trying to earn my PhD because I work with a lot of graduate students going for the PhD, Seth. She said, put it on there. And I put it on there. Uh, You know, as Spence told our last guest, if you're the shit, strut it. If you got it, strut it. You know, who else is going to hype you up? So you better make sure it's you. Um, I say this because I appreciate my clients. I have a lot of respect for a lot of my clients because uh, they are the future. Seth, you're trying to help out a lot of people in K through 12, which people don't is kindergarten through 12th grade. And then, you know, higher ed. I mean, that's the future. So the only way to create a, this culture change, the culture would be the new generations to make sure that suicide rates don't reach another all-time high, which it just did last year, all-time high. Something has to change. So it's the culture. And in the culture would be the age demographics that where these young folks have a better shot. Um, it's exciting. Hey, hey, this is your co-host Spencer, and I'm bringing you a special message from our collaborator, Silver Dollar Candles. They have great sense to go with great messages, just like best dad ever, true crime and chill. And my personal favorite, when this candle is lit, give me that You can also make your own candle and message that fits you. So go use our link in our link tree to get your order placed with Silver Dollar Candles today. You know someone, uh, Seth, that has or struggled with social anxiety um, and knows that they overcome that you know, to articulate themselves, to do things in front of policy changers and makers. It's kind of cool. So those, remember, this is an autism podcast. Mm-hmm. So anxiety and social anxiety is, is is very high and prevalent amongst our population. So to know that people are anxious and not like good talkers like me and Spence all the time and just having fun and talking shit, even mm-hmm. though me and Spence get nervous in public all the time. All the I mean, like I had a panic attack at the Natural History Museum and just left that fucking thing, but that's different story for a different day. Um, it's nice to see that just because you may have a weakness, perceived weakness, as a lot of our clientele may think that they have, doesn't mean that it has to stop you from succeeding or from creating or pushing the Titanic. Last thing. Seth, I was 20, about 17 or 18. I was out to dinner with some client, uh, not clients, that'd be inappropriate, co-workers. Mm. One was the therapist, one was their partner. Partner says, Nozzle, you trying to change the world, huh? Oh, okay. Well, that sure is stupid. You're never going to do it. I don't know why you keep trying. 
I looked at her and I was so fucking mad. I was like, this is the most, if I didn't get defeated, I was angry. And I made them the villain in my mind. And so I like to do that because if I have a villain in my mind now, I can like, I get hungrier to get my goal and then I can rub that goal in their face. It's not always the best because it could be toxic and overwhelming mm. the anger. So me and Spence did a podcast on the show Atlanta. Yeah. And the therapist goes, remember Spence? He's like, are you even doing this for yourself? Or are you doing it to prove all these people wrong at the, at the university level that you went to? He's like, I'm trying to prove everyone wrong that I can shove it in their face. And then turns out it's like one of the most, he's just like one of the most toxic people <laughs> like in the show. And you're like, this is where like it all goes wrong. And everybody like, cause there was this whole elaborate plan to get this person. They didn't like fired. into like, yeah, fired. But then also he like, he literally created a whole plan for her book to be published for it not to be published, he made up a fake company yep. for her book to get published, and he got her to do a reading to kids, and all the kids were paid by him to talk shit about the book. You're like, dude, wow. <laughs> and everyone's just looking at him like, you are crazy, dude. <laughs> like, you're crazy. Yeah. And so, like he's saying, it's more about not just proving people wrong, but doing it for the right reasons, actually going out and doing it because you know, you're helping people, you're helping people save lives. That's what you, that's what, you know, that's what everyone's doing here. Right. Right now. That's what everyone's doing right here on this podcast right now. Saving lives. And that's the main goal. And that should, that should be the only goal, but you know what? People like that, who their partner is a counselor, correct? That's that's really good for them to say. That's probably a very good relationship. Just saying. Oh, um, no, yeah, they broke up. Of course they did. Of course yeah. they did. Um, so, it, you know, and it's like sometimes you do you need those things to kind of push you a little bit to get to your next level. Sure. Because sometimes you need them sometimes, especially in life, we just get, you know, it's monotonous sometimes. Yep. And so sometimes yep. we need a little bit of a motivator to remind us exactly what we're doing and who we're doing it for. And there you go. And that's what we're doing here. So yep. just kind of elaborate a little bit on that. So yeah. Seth question for you, uh, when you hit any pitfalls or snags like this or, 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 or let's say it's hard to get the, the nonprofit started like, what pushes you to keep going? Is it, is it for other people? Is it for yourself? Is it for family members? Is it for your community? Like what pushes you to like, like, no, fuck this. I'm not going to quit and give up. Cause me and Spencer like that with the podcast. Sometimes like we can quit and give up. Mm -hmm. So 90 some percent of podcasts fail within the first seven weeks. So what pushes you to like, keep striving and keep bumping your head into this Titanic? I think with me, my, motivation changes um as i've matured i think um as like a 18 year old um as a freshman in college um i knew i wanted to make a big splash in the mental health space and i tried to use external fuel i tried to like use or like manipulate like other people into like thinking I can't do it then proving them wrong um as you guys talked about and I think that kind of 
fueled the very like beginning but then um as i kept going as i kept going um i just looked at the people um around me and um i've got a few people close to me who struggle with their mental health a lot more than i do um my struggles with social anxiety dwindle in comparison to the struggles that they go through um, on a daily basis and um i get inspired by them because it's like if they can like get up and like do the things they do then i don't have an excuse not to fight for people like them who are doing like their best like they're doing their best for themselves and um i just feel like even though they're doing the best for themselves it's important that other people speak up and oftentimes be their voice when they're unable to be their own voice. So just being inspired by the people around me, um, my family, friends, um, that's what keeps me going because um, during a particularly hard point for my circle, um, I was staying at my grandma's house and I texted my mom, um, just a long paragraph detailing the people I'm going to help and this and this. And I didn't like have a nonprofit at this point and have like this going for me. But if I'm ever having a down day, I think back to sleeping at my grandma's couch and just the pain that the people close to me were going through. And I remember crying on my grandma's basement floor and my grandpa telling my grandma to just um, leave him alone. And just being down there, just lit a fire that can't really go away because when people can't really fight for themselves on a day-to-day basis, um, it's your job now. And so that's what what I do, I don't necessarily feel a need to prove anything to anybody, but I feel a need to like advocate for those I love, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah, totally, totally. 100%. Uh, I looked down at my phone because I wanted to Google something. So uh, Seth, if you didn't know, you got what we call high empathy skills. High empathy. <laughs> my boy Seth's an empath. <laughs> uh, you could say that yeah you can say that so which is a good thing that's what, if the world yeah. had more empaths like you and like us on this on this podcast because spence loves people i love people i love people in a certain way spence loves people in a certain way we both care mm-hmm. deeply about the people that are around us um it's wonderful the world will be in a much better place there'll be much more understanding much more willingness to come together much more willingness to help each other out um it's a double-edged sword sometimes because sometimes it's terrifying and sometimes your soul will be crushed because it hurts for other people that are around you. And so, like you said, you're an advocate and a change maker because there, you want others to be supported, to have hope, to have a future. Um, one could say that because you have less severe mental health stuff, right? You're privileged. All of us have different privileges on this podcast. You're using yours to, healthy individual someone that can talk someone that's educated someone i assume that's tall and male so that there's certain privileges that come with that people listen to that stuff 
Um, and so you're using your privilege to help advocate for other people that may not have a voice. I'm not sure if there's anything higher or better that someone can do with their privileges uh, than what you're doing. So I appreciate you on that. Um, you know, I do my best to do those things as well. I, I Googled this thing called, you know, you love people, but it's called agape love. It's like this brotherly love, right? You're not in love with people, but you have this love for people, humanity, the humans with you. It's called agape love. So that's what you made me think of. Um, and that's what me and Spence have for our followers. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our followers are people that are neurodivergent, um, anxious, OCD, ADHD, LGBTQ, uh, trans. And so we have love for our followers and we're trying to bring them people that pump out content and they create change like you that are just good people. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, I'm going to pivot real quick again, back to autism. People will say a lot of folks on the autism spectrum don't have a lot of empathy, a lot of, a lot of skills around this, very stoic or very shut off this and that. Right. And that's just one version, one small version of many of the versions, what it is to be on the spectrum. And then some people say, well, people on the spectrum love too much and, and they decompensate or deregulate. That's one version. If you know one person on the spectrum, it's it's like a different snowflake. It's just you, that's one version of a snowflake. There's multiple iterations of it. Um, I have high empathy skills. Many of the clients I work with have high empathy skills. Many of them can't even hurt or a bug. Um, or hate to see violence or even hear about violence because the visual makes them literally cringe. Um, mm-hmm. I am the same way in some of those aspects. Uh, you know, we talk about this love. Love can look different with in our population of folks on the spectrum on how we express it verbally, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, let's say, not saying, uh, but let's take Seth's identity, Spence. Mm-hmm. And let's say that, you know, his way of showing love is advocating. I mean, that's still love, right? So Mm. let's say that this person in a relationship or in a community didn't connect with people one-on-one, but the way that they did connect was creating macro level changes instead of the micro level things that maybe I do as a counselor. It's still love. It's still passion. He just happens to work at the macro level. Uh, where someone like me or even other folks like me are in the micro level. So I'm trying to relate these things to folks that are neurodivergent and someone let's take, you know, for instance, my bestie, uh, you know, he shows love in different ways. Shows love. He ain't going to tell you. Matter of fact, yeah. he ain't even going to look you in the eye. Nope. <laughs> nope. But what he is, he's going to sit right next to you and he's going to, he's going to, and he's going to be with you. He's going to send you mm-hmm. some memes. And he's going to laugh and co-sign some of your jokes, even though I know his ass ain't paying attention. Yep. <laughs> if he gives you a recipe on whey protein, that, you know, that's how you know he likes you. <laughs> if he sends Present me... what we're talking about, Seth, is uh, Colin, uh, Nas's friend from, you know, way back. And so yeah. Colin is what we call buff as hell. And it is scary scary he's not a scary person he's not no. but the fact that he has so much strength in one person is scary right because you don't know he could just like he could just shake his hand just like right off like it's gone 
he's gone. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. But he would never hurt anybody. He's he's a very gentle person. He's very cool, very so chill. But the the mere fact that he could the could <laughs> is what scares me. The other day, <laughs> real talk. The other day, I heard him yell uh, yeah. when I was over at the house. And I was like, oh, damn, is he serious? And he laughed. Yeah. I was like, thank God he laughed because I was like legit scared. I'm like, oh, no. He's like, oh, nope, I'm gone. (laughs) See you later. I'm out of here. But his version of love will be different than my version, will be different than many other versions. And so I just want people to keep that in retrospect. Uh, I will see a lot of students or clients that are on the spectrum that will care for their elders. And maybe they're not the most emotional verbal or maybe they're not writing letters, but mm. they're doing things to help people in their lives. Yeah. They're doing more solution focused things, right? Um, love languages are different with a lot of different people. And I want people to pay attention to that. What we see is the love for Rocky and Adonis. Adonis is mm. love for Rocky. Mm-hmm. And we see that in both the clips, love. That's why I'm kind of sticking on this thing right now, love. Mm-hmm. Not in love, but love. Platonic love, mm-hmm. agape love. Um, this is not a topic that men talk about. So the fact that we got three men right now talking about mm-hmm. mental health, suicidality, policy changes, love. We we sure as hell don't say that. Yeah. Girl, I likes you. I, I don't know about loves you though. Like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> uh, but I will say though. I will say though, also with that relationship is more of like a father son relationship as well. Love. Um, and still love, but at the same time, you know, cause Rocky is missing his son. Um, he's not in his life anymore as well as now Adonis, obviously his father died a while ago. And so, um, kind of having that relationship, um, and kind of building upon it and being like, okay, this is more of like a father son relationship than anything, even though he is his coach and things like that. Sometimes we see our coaches or mentors as father figures. If you haven't had that father figure in your life, which Adonis has not. So that's also something to point out as well. I said something today to the, the psychiatric nurse. I said, uh, we was Oh, it was yesterday. We were talking about parents and how embarrassing mm-hmm. they are because the nurse just got done embarrassing the hell out of her daughter because she's got this loud ass laugh. And so they said they heard her at the g- gymnastic meet or the or the <laughs> golf meet just crackling, hackling in the in the arena. I said, damn, that's so cringy. I'd hate you. <laughs> and I remember because we was poor. And, and, and Seth, you said you yeah. moved around a lot. I moved around a lot as well. Um, yeah. I went to three different elementaries. Uh, Two different middle schools, three different high schools, I think five different universities uh, total. And I've moved around a total of almost 20 times in my life, 20 different houses. So that's traumatic in itself, um, That all that change and loss and grief. It changes the way you connect with people. Um, But I was talking to her about, you know, parents being embarrassing. And, And, you know, everyone knew Pops. Right, he's always at all the games, all the games. But since yeah. we were so poor, we had this S10 little Chevy pickup truck, mm-hmm. and you know, pops wouldn't just change the damn month or pay to get the damn thing changed, so it was so fucking loud. That pe- I remember we were in Bay City, and they said, "Nice, nah, I can tell your daddy's coming." I said, "What are you talking about? I hear that fucking muffler going, boy." You can legit hear him pulling up to the stadium and leaving yeah. the stadium. Yeah, I had the same thing. My dad had a 
big ass truck. It wasn't even a truck. It was a van. It was one of those vans that have like a bed in it yep. on the inside. It was one of those beds. You could Astro hear, vans. Yes. You could hear, see, smell <laughs> all of it. You could hear all the senses. <laughs> you know, my dad's there. He'd be picking me up from school and it had one of those old school, like metal like knobs. You had to push in. So yep. like in the winter time, you really had to push that shit. In I know what you're you can't talking about. Thumbs. <laughs> like, Minnesota boy, Minnesota, oh, Minnesota, and I said, man, he embarrassed me so much. And then I made a joke uh, in there, and I said, hey, at least I got a fucking dad. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, oh I'm just saying. God. Yeah, I mean, hey, some of y'all can make fun of my dad all you want. My dad's in my life and loving the shit out of me, so you know, fuck <laughs> off. Remember, he stuck around. <laughs> <laughs> he stuck around. This is this is a joke. At least my dad loves me. It's oh <laughs> complete joke. Seth does not uh promote He's or endorse anything that we just He's said. Not <laughs> He's not part of this. This is just us. Um but in all actuality, uh that father son relationship is huge. Um yes. and I bring this up to make a very big topic about autism and then we'll kind of wrap up soon. Uh yep. you'll notice a lot of folks on the spectrum. Uh, may not get along the best with their parents. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the parents might have, you know, be neurodivergent themselves, but they may be a little bit more hyper-focused on their own lives, maybe be a little bit more neglectful. Hey everyone, thanks for watching our show today. We just wanted to take some time to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Cat and Raven Design. They are a small queer-owned business that specializes in LGBTQ plus pride soaps. They have great designs, some that even look good to eat, but don't. You can get 10% off your entire order if you use the code DSP or go to our link tree. Help support this great small business and help give back to a great community. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of emotional abuse, um, controlling, helicoptering. And so to have this relationship where you see Rocky and Adonis in this love, you know, we show this scene. Many of our folks that watch probably doesn't, don't have this. Um, you know, Spence, I talk about my pops a lot. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I'm cautious because I know some folks don't have that relationship with their parents, let alone a, a male figure. Um, and in the autism community, people with severe mental health issues, people, you know, impoverished areas, single moms, right? It's things I keep in mind as a therapist. Um, there's reasons why when we're doing an intake on a client that we ask about relationships among their siblings, among their parents, right? We need to know these things because that develops them as a human personality, attachment styles that helps them build their identity, which Seth talked about. And then that leads into the future relationships. Um, so something to be note of, uh, because folks on the spectrum will be seen as odd or awkward or weird or different special interests. And like many of my clients will report, I said, how'd I go with your father today? Cause I know you struggled today with your anxiety and you felt overwhelmed and the nightmares have been terrible. And I said, what'd your pop say? He said, I have it easy that he has to deal with shit all the time at work. And then I should just suck it up. I'm like, damn, that's the last thing she needed to hear. Yeah. Um, but that's when we talk about what Seth said. Who are the people that lift her up? Mm -hmm. Who's their community? And who's their Adonis is pushing them up the stairs? Well, for her, it's her partner and a couple other friends. 
So I wanted to acknowledge that, uh, you know, we're talking about followers and love and all that stuff and that some people don't have that in their lives and that's tough. And so as me and Spence say, who are your allies? Mm-hmm. Who are those culture change people in your lives? And then how do you find them? Because they're out there. Yeah. Last thing I'll be done. When we was in Minnesota, we lived in the, the in Winona, the radio channel, because I listened to the radio. Fucking weird. Um, and they would end it with, there's good people everywhere. If you can't find one, you need to be one. And I heard that all the time on the radio there, driving to work. If you can't find one, you need to be one. If you can't find one, you need to be one. And I preach that to my students. Everyone's horrible and people are judging you and this and that. And I said, man, if everyone's so shitty, then you need to start being a good person. Well, what's the point of that? I said, because it starts with one person. That's how you change a culture. That's how you change a culture is one person. And so don't give up on those things. For people like Seth and other positions that are fighting for things, K through 12, teachers, nurses, health, healthcare practitioners, push for change and use your privilege. Even though I joke around and I say that I don't use my privilege and I'm just going to take advantage of it. I joke around with my coworkers the other day and I said that I'm going to use my male privilege to get everything I want. I was joking. In actuality, I do help change. And I did it yesterday trying to get one of my female employ- coworkers a raise. Um, Make sure you understand these things and move forward. Try to make someone else's day better. Or just try to tell some knucklehead like me that don't know something about ad blockers that ends up helping their father make a better life for him. Uh, these things add up. All right, Seth, you got any you got any sugar, any seasoning you want to put on this podcast to end this, to send us out today? Any sugar? What would what, what you want to leave folks with uh, as we end today? Ooh, um, I'll just say, um, if anyone's interested um, in connecting me or the Culture Change um, board members to um, a school by them, they can reach out to us via Instagram at culturechangecc or email us at culturechangecc.com or at gmail.com. And um, we can send all of our resources over um online it's in one easy to access zipped folder so it doesn't matter if it's in minnesota or um, we just got sponsored um by a florida-based company um mm-hmm. yeah so um if you're interested in, in in accessing any of our resources don't hesitate to reach out to me personally or culture change on instagram or via email and besides that um it's been great to beyond here um it's been great to um connect and um, i appreciate um both of you um taking the time to do this podcast i think it impacts so many people um i know now as you said the butterfly effect but um you don't know who hears this podcast you don't know what one person that affects and what effect that one person can pass on to another person on to another person. So thank you for doing this. I think the impact of just men talking about mental health, talking about autism, talking about stigmatized issues goes such a long way. So it's been great. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, Seth, honestly, uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Um, it's going to be helping a lot of people down the line. So we really appreciate you coming on. And Seth, we'll have all your stuff uh, 
tags and handles. It'll be posted on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and all the reels that we post. You will be tagged in as well, and I'll put you as a co-collaborator so that it'll go to your page as well. Um, so just a heads up, folks. Look out for the information for them. Yes. If you know any educators, board of directors, teachers, professors, please uh, reach out to him, and then maybe he can send you some information on how to change the culture at the school near you uh, or at your university. So. Stay on the lookout for all that stuff. This should be releasing at the uh, end of August, this podcast, or the beginning of September. So check check it out, folks. All right. So, and with that, this is the conclusion of the show. We'd like to thank everybody over at Bubs Naturals, Cure Hydration, Pinfinity. We also like to shout out to some of our candle people out there. You know, because we have candle companies here. Yep. Uh, Two Nerds Candle Company. And then also Soaps, Cat and Raven Soap Company. They are fantastic. Um, my girlfriend, Dom, actually got our free gift, and she actually really loves it and thinks that they smell amazing. So go check Good. out their stuff. And uh, you can get 20% off most of these companies uh, if you use our link tree. And, or you can get 10% off Cat and Raven Company because... They're fantastic. You can get anything off. I would do it. So yep. there you go. Uh, thank you, Seth, so much. And please, everyone, go check out his page, Culture Change CC. Um, and uh, with that, thank you, everybody, for joining the show. Uh, I'm Spencer. That's Nas. This is the Different Spectrums podcast. As always, people, much love. And remember, take care of yourself. Or don't. That's completely up to you. Do you think, people? Peace. Bye.